In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending July 31st, this past Thursday, the House Agriculture Subcommittee on Livestock and Foreign Agriculture held a public hearing to examine the federal and state response to avian influenza. USDA officials from APHIS and ARS told Congress they will stockpile commercial vaccine to combat avian flu that could return this fall after devastating poultry flocks in 21 states this summer. APHIS Deputy Administrator for Veterinary Services, Dr. John Clifford, said research continues on a high-path avian flu vaccine, but commercial vaccine will be stockpiled for a possible fall outbreak. We will have vaccine availability in our stockpile for uh, the migration period. There are several companies, actually, besides the research that they're doing, there are several companies that have vaccines that they're prepared to have available. Some lawmakers question how effective those vaccines will be while research is continuing. Clifford suggested they would be the most effective to date, but he stressed other precautions, especially on-farm biosecurity, monitoring of wild birds that spread the disease, and the need to cull livestock as quickly and humanely as possible will be needed. It's important to get that done within 24 hours. If we don't, and we continue to uh, have more birds dying from the virus, then there's more virus in the environment and more spread. And we know this to be a fact. When avian influenza hit just a few months ago, 48 million chickens and turkeys died or were culled in 21 states and millions of dollars were spent. Clifford said APHIS is hiring hundreds more health technicians and veterinarians, but it may not be enough. It is a limiting factor. In other words, how many uh, people we can get trained and ready uh, by the fall uh, within USDA APHIS Veterinary Services. We're probably, in a worst-case scenario, we're going to be needing probably 10 response teams to prepare for a worst-case scenario, and maybe even more. Dr. Clifford said planning is underway for a worst-case scenario in the fall, and even though he doesn't expect it, he said USDA will be ready. Also this week, we talked about how diesel fuel prices have dipped to the lowest level since 2009, which is great news for America's farmers, truckers, and construction firms. According to Alan Schaefer, executive director of the Diesel Technology Forum, AAA's daily fuel gauge report indicated that diesel fuel was cheaper than regular gasoline in 21 states and significantly cheaper than mid-grade and premium gasoline. With 98% of all heavy-duty trucks in the U.S. running on diesel, the price drop is having a major positive impact on the transportation of goods and agricultural production. Well, it's been another one of those years where some fields have seen decent rains while others haven't. And according to Tyron Spearman, some dryland crops are really being affected by the hot, dry weather. In the southeast, conditions continue to deteriorate. Across portions of uh, Alabama, Georgia, and South Carolina, the weatherman says, where excessive heat and the lack of rainfall dried soils and reduced stream flows. According to the National Centers for Environmental Information, Climatological Rankings, the contiguous U.S. average temperature for June was the second hottest in the observations record since 1895. Dryland peanuts and cotton are suffering under the continuous high heat, and temperatures have gotten to 107 degrees Fahrenheit heat indexes last week. Irrigation in some fields is running, trying to keep the canopy cool for peanuts. Then again, some areas where pop-up showers have occurred, the peanut crop looks extremely good. Growers know that when a high heat occurs and the canopy temperature is above 90 degrees, blooms often abort and never pollinate to make a peanut. The damage to the peanut crop is usually unknown until later in the season and hard to measure at this point of the blooming stage. During the past week, the southwest 
uh, out in Texas and Oklahoma that has peanuts in it is also very hot and dry. Only a little shower in the Texas panhandle. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. Kathy Isom tells us about a new way for farmers to share ideas and learn from each other. The new way for farmers to share ideas and learn from each other. Farmer to farmer networks. They're becoming more and more common these days, cropping up all over this land of ours. It's an informal way of putting local producers together to share ideas, common interests, and education. Maud Powell of Oregon State University Extension says some structure is needed in the form of at least one person spearheading the organization. Someone that's making sure to communicate with people, that's setting up the scheduling events, that's making sure people are punctual, that events start and end on time. That type of thing, I think, is important to keep people coming back. Powell says these networks work well with any type of farmer, large or small in size, as long as there's a common interest, say by region or commodity. Communication can be done through emails, listservs, or social media, or even better, if time allows, face-to-face interaction through gatherings, whether formal meetings or just visiting a member's farm to learn how they do things. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Evergrinder talks about the Southwest insect threat that's widespread. It isn't just southwestern farmers who are troubled with crop-destroying insects, but it appears that region is faced with an invasion. Most, if not all, are not native to the region. There's one called a bagrata bug. There's the emerald ash borer, Japanese beetle, exotic fruit flies. Whole Southwest has insects like the marmorated stink bug, tacreomites or tacreomites, and some I can't even pronounce. The list of threatened crops and trees is longer than the list of bugs. Leafy greens, nursing stock, fruits and vegetables, apples, cherries, peaches, grapes, you name it. Entomologists are especially concerned about several states in the Southwest. It appears that region is especially hard hit. Now, you add the list of crop diseases farmers have to battle, and it's discouraging, isn't it? Well, that's AgriView for today. Evergreener Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.